Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 44. Listen now to God's word. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that, he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation." And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called to his disciples. He called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, again, good morning, everyone. My name is Matt Anderson. I am the associate pastor here at Resurrection, and uh, glad that you can be with us this morning online streaming. I got to admit, it's a, it's a, a weird thing for me to, on the one hand, preach to an empty room, basically, and yet recognize that there are hundreds of folks out there who are hearing this. So glad you're here. Know that I miss seeing your faces, Resurrection family, and uh, man, these are just crazy times, aren't they? I mean, we're basically a week-ish into the extreme measures that our country is taking to try to prevent the spread of coronavirus, and yet it feels so much longer, uh, especially perhaps for those of us who have kids at home, uh, or so I've heard. Uh, But I mean, just a quick scroll through Twitter or Instagram reveals that we are already losing our collective minds, uh, although admittedly the memes are hilarious in this season. Uh, But to piggyback, on something that Dave has said several times already in the last week, a crisis like this won't make or break us, but rather it will reveal us. And I've come to appreciate the truth in that. On on the one hand, I think we've all seen how this pandemic has already revealed some of the worst in us. I mean, the way hoarding toilet paper reveals a scarcity mentality, 
or the way some folks have bought out entire stores inventory of hand sanitizer trying to make a quick buck on the secondary market in the way that that reveals the selfishness that's often inherent in our capitalism or the way crammed beaches in Florida and bars in Chicago revealed kind of our, our consequences be damned sense of freedom and individualism. I mean, it's been ugly. And yet, I think we've also seen some beautiful things revealed in the midst of this crisis. I think of the creative ways I've seen people care for and connect with elderly loved ones who are shut off from the outside world. I think of the stories I've heard of people with an abundance of resource looking for ways to help meet the needs of those who could be devastated by the economic impact of this. And I think of the selflessness displayed by our doctors and nurses and medical professionals putting their well-being on the line in a greater way than ever before, all for the sake of others. There has been so much beauty. But what crisis reveals most acutely, and, and this is true both in humanity as a whole, but also in each of us individually, what crisis reveals is what matters most. What do we really care about? Toilet paper? Non-perishable food items and hand sanitizer? Is it all about self-preservation? Or do we care more for the most vulnerable among us? Do we hunker down in fear? Do we brazenly live life as usual? Or do we get creative and find new ways to live out our values? Crisis reveals what really matters to us like nothing else can. And I think that gets us to the heart of what today's text and the heart of the question posed to Jesus by the teacher of the law is all about. He asked Jesus of all the commandments. And let's remember, there are at least 613 commandments at that time. He says, of all the commandments, which is the most important? What matters most? That's what he's asking. That's the question facing Jesus. And in many ways, the question facing each and every one of us in this pandemic. And what is the significance of the choice that Jesus makes in his response? What does that say about all of the other commandments? I think Jesus' response has perhaps become too familiar to us for our own good, but we're going to break it down in hopes that maybe we can hear it afresh today, as I believe it serves to point us in the right direction as much as it did the original audience. Jesus replies, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And this portion of today's text is what will serve as the focus of my sermon this morning. So let's first take a quick glance at the start of Jesus' response here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If this isn't familiar to you, it certainly is to our Jewish brothers and sisters. Known as the Shema, a Shema is the Hebrew word for hear, the first word in the passage. It is the central declaration of the Jewish faith found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and it's recited daily by faithful Jews around the world to this day. It emphasizes the oneness of God and the soul worship of God by Israel. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so far, so good here for Jesus. I mean, no faithful Israelite would ever argue Jesus on that one. And so he continues on into verse 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, which says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And interestingly here, Jesus also adds with all your mind to the equation. But either way, the meaning is obvious. Our love and devotion to God is to be undivided and unsurpassed. God must be central to our lives. Uh, Last week in his sermon, Dave talked about how when Jesus was asked about paying taxes to Caesar, Jesus kind of turned a question on his questioners and asked them, whose image is on the coin? And the answer was, it, it bore the image of Caesar. And so he then said to them, okay, well then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. But kind of hidden just beneath the surface of Jesus' words was a strong reminder of whose image we bear. The coin might bear Caesar's image, but the very first thing the Bible tells us about us is that we bear God's image. We were created in God's image. We are divine image bearers. And if that's true of us, then Jesus' reply in today's text only makes sense. I mean, if we're created in God's image, then... In the words of N.T. Wright, we will find our fullest meaning, our true selves, the more we learn to love and worship the one we are designed to reflect. No half measures, heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is every aspect of human life, is to be poured out gladly in worship of the one true God. Whatever we do, we are to do for him. If we truly live like that for a single day, God's kingdom would have come on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to pause on this part of Jesus' response for a bit and get uber practical this morning. In fact, much of this message will be incredibly practical and tangible because I think the times demand it. And I'm not sure how one week of quarantine has hit y'all, but one thing I can bet is that your schedule is more open and flexible than it has ever been before and likely ever will be again, which poses its own set of challenges, no doubt, but it also presents some beautiful possibilities. I mean, we can make space for things we never thought we had time for before. We can create new routines, cultivate new habits and disciplines, evaluate our priorities and establish new ones. And I'd like to suggest that this is the ideal time to reflect on what it would look like for you and to me to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Like actually, tangibly, what disciplines could we build into our lives to help us do that? Maybe you've always wanted to spend time daily in prayer and meditating on scripture. Guess what? I bet you have the time to do that right now. I mean, it might mean that your Netflix binging will have to cut out one episode uh, each day, but now there's time. I promise you might not even have to get up extra early to do it now if that had always been your hang-up. Or leverage the devotional time that Dave and Amy host each night at 6.30. If you haven't caught it yet, every evening on Facebook and Instagram, they go live. Amy leads a worship song, and then Dave reads a psalm and offers a brief reflection on it, and it's a great way to build a worshipful, devotional time into your daily routine. Start a new routine. Or or maybe you've always loved the idea of observing a Sabbath day in your weekly rhythm, but it's always seemed unattainable. 
Now is the time. If not now, when? I promise you'll never get a better opportunity. In fact, I want to pause for a moment on the idea of Sabbath. And for those who are familiar with the concept of observing a Sabbath, this might be review, but for the rest of us, you might be wondering what I'm getting on about here. Sabbath is God's gift of repetitive and regular rest, a day set aside weekly for it. It is given for our delight and for communion with God. Remember, Jesus said Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. And Sabbath offers the invitation to experience time for just being in the midst of a life of doing. It's not merely about sitting around not doing work. Rather, it's about finding delight in God and in God's goodness in our life. And so I just want to highlight a few of the gifts that I think putting a weekly Sabbath into your rhythm can offer you. First, like I said, rest. The Sabbath is an entire day set aside to stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying, and to simply rest in God's presence. Sabbath also celebrates delight and gratitude. The Sabbath is God's permission to simply enjoy the beauty of life and the good gifts he has given us to use for our enjoyment, which should result in a spirit spirit of gratitude welling up inside of us. Third, Sabbath helps us cultivate a healthy rhythm in our lives, which again, this is a perfect season for. God worked for six days, but then he rested on the seventh, and he built that rhythm into the fabric of creation. Fourth, and and this one I think is often desperately needed in a culture like ours, Sabbath is a form of resistance. In a society addicted to the twin drugs of accomplishment and accumulation, The Sabbath is an act of resistance. It is a time of saying no to getting things done or or to simply getting things and instead invites us to find joy and contentment in what God has already given us. We have enough, even toilet paper. Uh, And if you don't, uh, my wife Sally last night threw out the option to me of family cloth, which is new to me, but Google it. It's a thing. And I'll just say for right now, I'm not that desperate yet, but... We have enough. Sabbath can also loosen the hold of our addiction to technology because a typical component of Sabbath is turning off the electronics and devices, cutting out the noise and distractions. It helps us deepen our connection with God and those we love. Unplugging once a week keeps technology from holding us in its grip. Now, lest you think that I'm digressing from today's passage with this focus on Sabbath, Just remember, I'm wanting us to see how we've been given a great gift in the ways our life and schedules have been turned upside down by this crisis. But for it to be experienced as a gift, we must choose how to use this freedom that's been given to us. To look for ways in this season to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. So before moving on from my discussion of Sabbath, let me just highlight a few ways you can practice this in the weeks to come. Set aside just one day a week and eagerly look forward to it. Let it be a time for intimacy with God and with others you love. On your Sabbath, practice restful activities. Meditate on scripture. Pray. Take a walk. Have a picnic with your family. Do yoga. Take an afternoon nap. Have a phone conversation or a FaceTime call with someone you love. And yes, I know I said that it's often a time to unplug from technology, but in this season of forced distance and isolation, 
leverage technology on the Sabbath to connect with those who are most important to you. It's not cheating, I promise. God gets it. And that leads to my next point. On your Sabbath day, make space for the things that bring you great delight. Read a book, like an entire book, in one day since you've got a whole day to do it. Or play board games with your family. Pick up that new hobby you've always been wanting to get into. Go for a long run around the lakes. Order delivery from your favorite local restaurant. Make the most over-the-top ice cream sundaes with all the toppings. I've heard that there are no such thing as calories on the Sabbath, although I haven't been able to verify that. But you can fill in the blanks here. Remember, the Sabbath is a time for rest and for delight, which also means let go of the things that stress you out for those 24 hours. Avoid the news. Let the difficult conversations happen another day. Don't develop a to-do list for the Sabbath or on the Sabbath. Okay, enough on the Sabbath, but again, let me encourage you to see how this season is inviting you to love God, to center your days on God and God's goodness in unprecedented ways. It is a profound gift in the midst of this turmoil, but we'll only experience the fruit of it if we choose to order our days in such a way. So getting back to our text now, uh, as we know, Jesus doesn't end his answer regarding which commandment is the greatest with love God. He could have stopped there, and, and who would have argued with him, but he didn't. He felt the need to add a second. And so I suppose he's technically cheating, but not really. He said, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, Jesus knew that one of the great dangers with faith and religion is that it either becomes intensely personal and hidden away, it becomes almost a private faith, or it becomes all about upholding a certain set of rules and boundaries and practices which can quickly cause us to lose sight of each other. Where we value being right over everything and everyone else. And I think we could probably all recognize times in our lives where in a relationship we were maybe 100% right about something and yet we got it completely wrong because of how we handled it without love. And so by putting this commandment of loving others on par with loving God, Jesus is laying the groundwork for so many Christians to follow, including Paul, who would later write in his famous chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that love never fails. And that between faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. It is the thing that matters most, the thing that lasts. And again, in this season of pandemic and quarantine, this is a wonderful time to prayerfully consider what it looks like to love our neighbor. Like actually, tangibly. And admittedly, this requires a bit more creativity than normal when you factor in social distancing, but that's not altogether a bad thing in my book because of the extra time that we have, let's spend some of it reflecting on the people in our lives who we value but maybe can't see face to face right now. Ask how you might still be able to connect with them. Like I said, give a FaceTime call, write notes, or create handmade cards with words of love and encouragement. Think about the folks in your life who live by themselves and ask how you can reach out to them in this time, letting them know they're not alone, that you care about them, you're thinking about them. Carve out time to connect with them. Ask how they're doing. Ask how you can pray for them. Identify the vulnerable folks in your life. Maybe a grandparent or an aging neighbor who could use help picking up groceries or a prescription or even just a friendly greeting over the phone. 
There are countless examples floating around online of the ways people are encouraging their neighbors. Look for them. Steal the ideas that inspire you. Spread the love. Look for little ways to connect with your actual neighbors while still honoring social distancing. You know, as the weather starts to warm up, open your windows, check in with each other. Have dinners together from your respective driveways or decks. Make some art and put it in your window for neighbors to see as they go by on their walks or write encouraging messages with chalk on your sidewalk and driveway. Those ideas are courtesy of my daughter, Isla. Again, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Think of what you would appreciate in this season and find ways to do those things for others. But also don't be afraid to share your own needs with others. Give others the opportunity to love you well. And I know that's a vulnerable and very un-American thing to do, but I promise that you have people in your life and in your church who would love to help and support you in this season. When you share your needs with others, be they financial, material, emotional, or spiritual needs, you give others the opportunity to find delight in supporting and blessing you. And I think this is actually a great time to, again, highlight the online connection card that we have as a church. It was included in the email Dave sent this morning. I think you can find the link on our website as well. It'll be in the weekly church email. But in the connection card, we specifically added space where you can let us know of the needs that you have. The card lists help getting groceries, help picking up medication, help with other errands. I'd like a phone call to check in or other where you can kind of fill in the blank on whatever needs you might have. And... The card also lists a place where you can let us know if you'd like to help meet a need. So you can check off, I'd like to help pick up medication or run errands for someone, grab groceries, check in with others, or another, again, where you can fill in the blank. And and I know of one need that's already been expressed, and that's for a DVD player. We have some folks in the life of our church who don't have the ability to catch a service in streaming fashion. And so we want to be able to burn the service onto a DVD for them so they can watch it. But several of the folks in our congregation don't even have a DVD player. And so we're looking for three DVD players right now that could be donated to the church. That's a way we can meet a need and love our neighbor in this season. Because friends, it starts with us. Certainly, I hope that our government, both local and national, will continue to look for creative and courageous ways to support us and meet needs in this dire season, but we can't wait for that. This is the golden hour for the church to be the church, to show who we've always been and to be who Jesus intended us to be. Again, this crisis won't make or break us, but it will reveal us, and I pray that what this unprecedented global crisis will reveal in us as a church is love. A deep, abiding love for God and for one another. I mean, it's why we're part of this church, right? If this isn't the time for us to spring into action and get creative and intentional in finding ways to love God, love each other, and love our neighbor, then we might as well just close up shop. This very moment is why we exist. This is it. Let love be revealed in us in this season. Uh, As a runner, I think it's kind of like training for a marathon. You spend months and months building your body up so that it can handle the grueling task of running 26.2 miles in a row. 
The training is not always easy, especially early on as you're first getting started or, or when you hit those long 20-mile training runs. But that hard work is intended to pay off with you crossing the marathon finish line without killing yourself in the process. You train, you work at it, and after months of doing that, you find that you are capable of doing something you never imagined you'd be able to do. You run a marathon. And incidentally, if you signed up to run the Twin Cities Marathon with Team World Vision here at Res, as of right now, that's still going on, take those words to heart. It's going to be hard, but if you work at it with discipline and with consistency, you'll do it. But the point of me mentioning training for a marathon is that what we do every week as a church, gathering corporately for worship, meeting in our living rooms with our life groups to study scripture and pray for each other, spending time on our own in prayer and scripture reading, that is our training. It is all meant to prepare us for such a time as this. A season like this can be our Christian marathon. It's what all the training was for. This is when we get to put our radical love and hospitality into action. So let us not shrink back or grow weary when the world needs it most, when we need it most. I mentioned a moment ago that Jesus' teachings on love inspired Paul to pen an entire chapter on the power and character of love. I'd encourage you to meditate on that chapter, 1 Corinthians 13 this week. Read it over and over and ask what might it look like to embody that kind of love in this season? Or maybe reread one of the Gospels in the coming weeks. Notice the many ways that love is expressed through Jesus' words and actions. Let his example inspire you. After all, we know what real love is because Jesus showed it to us. Don't look for love in movies or novels or even on the news. You'll catch glimpses of it here and there. But if you want to see the real substance of love in action, look at Jesus. And finally, let me just close with one more passage this morning. Uh, Jesus' words and actions also paved the way for John, who would later write in 1 John chapter 4 some of the clearest teaching on how our love for God is displayed in our love for others, when he penned these words, John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We love because he first loved us and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 
And so friends, in this time of, of crisis, let such love be revealed in us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for not only your command to, to love God and love our neighbor, but for the ways that you demonstrated it so clearly with your life. May we follow your example. May we hear your teaching today. And in this season, may we find creative ways to love our neighbor, to love you, to build new rhythms, new habits, new practices into our lives, to see the ways that you're still faithful and still good, even in the midst of such a challenging time. Give us a heart that is open to how you're inviting us to participate in what's going on in this world, to be hands and feet uh, to one another, to express love in such a way that it reveals your love to this world. Jesus, we thank you for your spirit and for your love and your grace that empowers us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.